A Faster Office, originally published on March 10, 2023. Distributed work is a natural evolution of the office itself. To remain attractive, physical offices should stop thinking about productivity. What do I mean? In the 1960s, the world's leading architect thought skyscrapers would make humans work less. In The City of Tomorrow and its Planning, Le Corbusier writes, and I quote, The city, which can achieve speed, will achieve success. Work today is more intense and is carried on a quicker rate. The more rapidly this intercommunication can be made, the more business will be expedited. It is likely, therefore, that the working day in the skyscraper will be a shorter one. The working day may finish soon after midday. The city will empty as though by a deep breath. Put differently, end of quote, by the way, Le Corbusier predicted that once information can flow faster, urban offices will be empty half the time. He was right, but not in the way he intended. Today, many urban offices are indeed half empty, and information does flow faster. But it doesn't flow in the elevators and pneumatic tubes of the skyscraper. It flows on the internet. Le Corbusier's prediction is a classic example of static, first-order thinking. It assumes that when one thing changes, everything else will remain the same. In reality, the ability to process more information led to the processing of even more information, and not really to finishing work soon after midday. To be fair, people's working hours did decrease over the past century, but they decreased much faster before Le Corbusier's book and before offices became the predominant way to work. As countries became wealthier, working hours tend to decrease, unless you're in Singapore. If you visit this article on my website, you can also see some charts uh, about the decrease in working hours in different countries over time. So Le Corbusier did get one thing right. Productivity is a function of speed. The more information that can be transmitted and processed, the more likely it is to produce a valuable idea. This is more true than ever, even though it seems like most information currently is just frivolous noise. So if the purpose of the office or the city is to increase the speed of communication, it makes sense for them to be replaced by solutions that enable even more speed. Such solutions can include remote work or offices that require shorter commutes. As I tweeted uh, in 2020, in the middle of COVID, it's not the office, it's the commute. So some people saw these changes coming long before I did. Writing in 1900, so more than 120 years ago, H.G. Wells predicted that the growing densification of cities will soon begin to reverse. And I quote, These great cities are no permanent maelstorms. These new technological forces, at present, still so potently centripetal in their influence, bring with them nevertheless the distinct promise of a centrifugal or centrifugal uh, application that may be finally equal to the complete reduction of all of our present congestions. The limit of the pre-railway city of the pre-railway city was the limit of man and horse. But already that limit has been exceeded, and each day brings us nearer to the time when it will be thrust outward in every direction with an effect of enormous relief. End of quote. Wells was right, even though it took another 60 years for those centrifugal forces or trends to become dominant, cities and their labor markets expanded outwards into the suburbs and became both larger and less dense. All this was enabled by technology that made it cheaper and easier for people to commute and communicate across larger distances. I dive, I dive deeper into this process in my book, 
my upcoming book. Last week, I chatted with Dr. Judy Stevenson about the organization of pre-industrial cities. And you can access the recording here on the podcast or on my website. And next week, I'm hosting a live chat with Alain Berteau, an urban planner about the spatial evolution of cities, which also will be shared here on the podcast, the recording of which. But let us, let us return to the office and its role. So a few years before Le Corbusier made his prediction, Henry Ford's motor company was among the first to institute a 40-hour work week. That meant reducing the work week from six to five days and limiting daily work to only eight hours. Ford thought that more leisure would increase productivity and stimulate the economy. Uh, and I quote Henry Ford, it is high time to rid ourselves of the notion that leisure for workmen is either lost time or some sort of class privilege. People who have more leisure must have more clothes. They eat a greater variety of food. They require more transportation in vehicles. End of quote. At first, the policy at Ford only applied to actual factory workers. But a few months later, Ford decided to implement it at the corporate office, which in a way is the beginning of the 9 to 5, five days a week at the office uh, routine. The change coincided with a change in Ford's product strategy, moving away from the frugal and functional Model T and introducing the more stylish and customizable Model A. Initially, the Model T was uniquely affordable, but in the 1920s, there were many competing models and the T was a commodity. The new Model A was aimed at people who wanted to express themselves through consumption rather than just get from point A to point B in some sort of vehicle. And the Model A was a hit. Now Ford is famous for saying that if he'd asked his customers what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse and not for a car. Uh, to be frank, there's no evidence that he ever actually said that, but the point remains, relying on your customer's imagination will only get you this far. The next big thing is hardly ever an extrapolation of the last big thing. And that's what happened to offices. What can be done? I'm still working on the comprehensive answer to this question, but another proponent of Ford offers a hint, this time a quote from Steve Jobs. People don't know what they want until you show it to them. That's why I never rely on market research. Our task is to read things that aren't yet on the page. End of quote from Steve Jobs. So how can you actually read things that aren't yet on the page? Well, one way to secure is to secure advanced access to insights from a book that's still being written. Uh, my book in this case. The second best option is to contemplate Jobs' message on your own. So don't ask people what they want. Delight them with something they didn't even know they wanted. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please subscribe or leave us a ranking in your favorite podcasting app. Thank you again, and I'll be back soon with more content.